Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. He said, as the serpent was raised up, so would the son of man be. And he said, when the son of man is raised up, then I will draw men to myself. Thank you for drawing us. From the shackles of life, from the pains, from hell, thank you for drawing us all. We give you praise. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let's have our seat. Easter to everyone. May God continually bless and may the joy of Easter, the victory of Easter, may He be evident in our life in the name of Jesus Christ. We are looking at the implications of the deaths and resurrection of Jesus. We are looking at the implications of the death and resurrection of Jesus. I might even call it a review because um, you know and you would probably see why I would say that. We are living in a generation we are living in a generation where, which rightfully so, is that when people, when somebody dies, or when somebody is killed, or when you have issues around war, the face, the body is blood away. In order to show respect, or to preserve the viewer from being traumatized. There was a guy that wrote an article on, on Independent, and you know it was quite a lovely, well, well-written article. And he was talking about why you blow bodies and things like that. And in the same generation that says that, you have a generation that the crucifix has become a fashion statement. The same one that will not look at dead bodies is the same one that makes a fashion out of crucifix. I'm not saying don't use crucifix as a fashion. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't go and throw your crosses away. That's what I'm saying. But it has become things that we are not conscious of what you are, that is hanging around your neck. That that thing that is being hung, that is, 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 is hanging on your neck or on your shirt or you have a, a ring that says that it is, it, is, it is the body of somebody hanging on that cross. 
it is not just that it is handy. History says that that is the worst form of death that could ever that was pronounced on a person. The worst way to to kill a human being is by hanging them on the cross. So the same generation that is that is looking at that will say that you know I can't watch certain things. It's the same one that would say you know just give me a small pandemic. Let let my I just like my own crosses to be small. You know I can't you know, I, I just. Uh, I love the I love the way when my mole is done. I want cross, small cross there like that. Now, can I have a slide before the There was an article, was a, a paper written by a guy which is um, from this university, as uh, as a Pacific University, and was talking about the science of crucifix. He got to a point when he was writing that thesis. He said that he said that Jesus specific case. But and a, a, a specific case, but the account is based on historical document of of crucifixion procedure during during that um, during that time period. Please be aware. So as he's trying to describe crucifix in his in his thesis, and this is like a PhD that writing a thesis, he said he said the following is realistic and graphic in nature. So he himself, while he's trying to present a case, trying to talk about what happened to Christ on the cross, he's putting disclaimer. He's putting disclaimer. In fact, it, when he, in part of what the Canaan next said, when he was when he was writing his papers, he said he said he was saying that what the world excruciating came from crucifix. So what he's saying is that he said it is quite in, impossible. Sorry, he said crucifix was invented by the Persian Indada and things like that. You know, he said, said the most painful death ever invented in, in human history. In those days, they did not, the Romans would not kill, no matter what a Roman child God did, they would never crucify them. Because crucifixion was left for the, you know, people who had no. I'm just trying to bring to you, as we look forward and we journey towards this, you know, wherever, this is uh, National Library of, of of, of medicine, and they were talking about, you know, the the, the issue about crucifixion. He said, he said, in antiquity, crucifixion was considered one of the one of the most brutal and shameful mode of death. So we're not even talking about scriptures alone. We are saying that you know, we are saying even. Science has come to a conclusion that the worst kind of death that could ever happen to a human being is crucifixion. And yet, it has such been played down that people wear it around and it doesn't really make, make a difference. 
Somebody wants to enter a football pitch. It just goes. It does the crucifix and enter the pitch. <laughs> and what I'm trying to see, I am not saying it is wrong. I am just saying that at times, what these things does without we knowing is watering down what it actually means. What it actually means. And that was what Paul of the issues that Paul was trying to grasp with in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. He said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He said, not of the wisdom of men, wisdom of eloquence, least the, uh, the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. So that means Paul is saying, there is a way you can empty the power in the cross. There is a way that the cross becomes something that is, you know, that is nothing else but just a symbol. And if somebody encounters something else that's not a symbol, you would, you would argue and say, you know, those things, they don't really matter. Or maybe you think, oh yeah, you know, um, crucifixion is just one of those, you know, it's just a part of, Christian, of the Christian faith. And Paul was saying, it is like, it is like emptying it of his power. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like having a gun. You have a loaded one and you have one that is not loaded. It's like unloading a gun. That's, that's what I, I can describe it as. Emptying the cross, the, the power of the cross is like unloading a gun. When a gun is unloaded, when you shoot it, it just goes pop and that's it. Nothing comes out of it. Nothing comes out of it. Having said that, and you will see where Paul was talking earlier. Paul was saying, God did not send me to come and baptize. Did Paul not baptize? Paul did baptize. But what, what was Paul saying? Is that in scripture, that is what is called, what Jesus called weightier issues. And issues that are also important, but are not as weighty. But the challenge at times is that we focus on things that are not of weight. Not that they are not important, but they don't carry weight as the others. So it's like in Nigeria. No matter how many grades you have, if you don't have math and English, you are going nowhere. Can pass Yoruba, can pass... Uh, Biology, the capacity, agriculture. You are going nowhere. Let's go. Let's just see um, Matthew, please. And Jesus was saying, Woe to you, self righteous scribes and Pharisees. He said, You give a tenth of your tithes of mint or drizz, and that, and you're focusing on minor matters. Let me, I will say something here because I know that some people have used this to talk about it. We are not talking about that, but what Jesus was saying, he said, but you have neglected weightier, more important moral, spiritual provisions of the law. So Jesus is saying that there is, when the way the Bible is written, there are weightier issues that needs to, that is a priority. 
Now, please note that Jesus said, but these primary things, which is the weightier one, you ought to have done without neglecting others. So he did not say, don't tithe. So, but Jesus was just saying that you don't make a doctrine out of it. When at times, that's why you see at times that it appears that I do not focus on certain things. It's because when there are weightier issues to deal with, scripturally, you don't deal with minor issues. Because if the weightier issues are dealt with, the less weightier issues will sort out itself. And we'll begin to look at that, you know, as we begin to look at what Christ did on the cross. You know, if there are, um, it is important to talk about is your baptism inside water or they sprinkle water or they do this or they do that. Those things are biblical conversations, but in terms of scripture, they are not weighty issues. That's why Paul said, did God tell me to come and baptize? You think that all that I have come here to do is baptism. Some will say, ah, my whole ministry is to raise good husband. See, sir. <laughs> that is not, it's, it's not, and you will begin to see as you begin to look at it. See, that's the time I was saying, so I said, I said, I am getting concerned that, you know, my, the more you understand these things, the more there will be less sermons to preach. Because that is just, it's just only one. And we'll get there, but he was saying that, he says, he says the primary things you have neglected. So, Jesus was introducing to them to say that it is not that the scriptures is not all right, but there are weightier issues that if you look at a Christian and they do not understand this one, then no matter if if I said that we are doing a conference of speaking in diverse tongues, so you speak in angel, Raphael tongue, you speak in a general tongue, and we are doing, um, uh, what's it called? 90 days program on speaking in tongues, moving from one level to another. It is okay as long as the weightier issues are dealt with. But those are the steps who say, ah, yes. 21 steps to <laughs> see, see revelation. I just be like, ah. Okay, let's, let's look at the Bible itself. The four Gospels, which are the four expressions of Jesus. We're not, we're not going into that, but you know. Now, the four Gospels, this is how they are split in percentages. The infancy of Jesus. This is before 30. It, when you had all the Bibles, the, all the four Gospels together, it is 4% of that entire writing. Are we together? 55% yes. of the entire writing of those four Gospels is centered on the public ministry, that is healing, doing all those kind of things of Jesus. However, 34% of all the gospel is focused on one week. Does this 
Make sense? So that means that if I am focusing on infancy of Jesus, if my ministry is focused on the public life, and there is no well understanding of this one, it is a failure. Does this make sense? Because if 30% is dedicated to one week, but 55% is dedicated on three years, um, five months, four weeks, Jesus leaves, leaves and worked for three and a half years, his ministry. So this is a covenant with three years, um, five months, and, and three weeks. This part is dedicated to only one week. So the way the Bible is even written, there is a point out to you that this one is the weightier issues. Can you go? For those who don't understand Abusa, it is to you understand. <laughs> I have somebody say you are in the Nigerian conflict. You know? So, these are the weightier issues. So, if a Christian does not understand this one, and it's not a settled truth, it doesn't mean that you will not talk about all of this. But this one is the weightier issue. Are we together? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. That is why, let's do next time. That's why when, when Jesus, when Jesus, when Jesus was talking to Peter, Peter said, um, Peter said, Ah, you are the Son of God. And Jesus answered, and Jesus said, Ah, blessed are you, son, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but, uh, but my father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build a church. And he said, ah, the gate of hell will never prevail against it. Then he said, Peter, I am giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be losing heaven. That is what power what are you supposed to do? Go and start ministry. <laughs> but when you now go, let's run on, please. The Bible now said, then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone. He was basically, don't run away. This is now the Bible now said, from this time, he began now to teach them. What is he teaching them? What he will suffer in the hands of the elders and things like that, how he will be killed, and on the third day be resurrected. What is Jesus focusing on? That's all issue. Some people, after they have received power, amen? I just say, ah, where are you going? The Bible says, after they had had revelation of him being Jesus, after they had, re he had released power to them, so you yeah, come and sit down. This is now the time for me to begin to explain to you the implication of what is about to happen. 
So that suggests to me that if a Christian has received power, they have heard from heaven. Jesus God says that, ah, it's my father that shows you vision. You are not ready. Except a man gets to a point where there is an understanding. Where there is an understanding of the implications of those seven lips. May God help us in understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. First Corinthians, the next slide is just First Corinthians. So the Bible says, Paul is also talking. I'm trying to, for us to, because as we begin to look at this thing where we are not just, you know, he um, says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received on, um, on, on which you, you are taking your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Basically he's saying that all your faith means nothing. He now said, this is how we order it to. He said, I have, I have received and passed to you as of first importance. Paul is saying, in everything that I have taught you, this is the first and the most important thing you need to know. He said that Jesus died for your sins, for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to um, Cephas, which is uh, Peter, and to the twelve. So Paul is saying, in all the revelation I'm teaching you, this one is the most important. This one is the first. But the challenge is that we have got it to a point where Christians do not really understand. Easter is just like one of the days. In Some people will say, ah, Christmas. Christmas is good. But when Jesus told us to celebrate, the one he commanded you to celebrate is Easter. Because that is the foundation of your faith. This is why. This is why that as a Christian, I'm not saying, please, Sabbath is made for man, man not for Sabbath. So, please understand what I'm saying. But that is why the elders of the church, when I mean elders of the church, the days of Peter, they decided to begin to do Sunday service as the first day of the week. Why? Because Jesus rose up on the first day of the week. So that when Christians are gathering, you will not, they are trying to do everything so that you will not forget that the thing that matters most is for you understanding what happened on, on the first day of the week. Hence, some people have gone with the philosophy of uh, Greece, it is um, sun, the god of the sun, and things like this. Like that. When you look at the Greek calendar, 
the Sunday is the beginning of the week. So as far as Christians are concerned, either call it Monday, Sunday, whatever you call it, it is the first day of the week. And so when Christians gather to they come now in our fold as a CNS fold, as God is giving revelation, that is why they call it Thanksgiving service, because that is the service of victory. It's not because it is Sunday. It is because at the bottom of your gathering is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. So the idea of the fathers of the faith is not that you will gather only on Easter, but each time you gather on Sunday, you realize that you are gathering on the first day of the week because it gives, it gives, it brings to remembrance the sacrifice of Christ. That does not mean if you gather on Friday or Tuesday or whatever day you gather, it is not an issue. I'm just explaining to us historical reason why the fathers felt that this day is the day we use. It is not binding. It is just for, for emphasis. And this thing became an issue also as the, as the elders are seem to be seen that Christians are always driving their way to other things. So what did they do? They gathered together and they created what is called the creed. So the creed is to, as you are declaring your faith, in that faith, you are declaring that, you are declaring the death and the resurrection of Christ. But when the attack came again, they gathered in a place called um, uh, Nissan. Do you have the Nissan Creed? That Nissan Creed now went into details to say, okay, what I want you for This is how Jesus died. And this is the implication to you. So when you read the Nissan Creed, you will see that it goes into details of what Christ did on the cross. So when we read in Jehovah Bible, it is we making a proclamation of our faith. It is not just included in the service as a, as a point of, it is to remind us what constitutes your faith. So when you ask a Christian, can you explain to me your faith? So, mm, Oh when, 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 you know, like, your faith is, is, is summarized in the creed that you read. Anything out of that creed, as far as scripture is concerned, you are your own. That is why when Paul was saying, when you read these scriptures, when you begin to discover that this is part of the creed that we read today. Because Paul was saying to them, okay, let me tell you, Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. When you read the creed. He died according to the scriptures. He resurrected according to the scriptures. Why? It's so that you will not forget. But the question now 
And you begin to see this battle all through scriptures that the apostles are so concerned that Christians forget the implication of the cross on their life. And Paul will talk in, um, when we go to uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says that, it says, therefore let us go past the elementary stage or in the, in the teachings about Christ, advancing unto, advancing unto maturity and perfection in spiritual completeness, without laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. What does that mean? Hebrews chapter 9. Just go to the repentance from dead work. The Bible says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, true eternal holy, willingly offered himself, that is his death, without blemish, cleanse you from dead work. So when he said repentance from dead work, what it means, understanding of what happened, what happened on the cross. And Paul said, These are elementary. What does elementary mean? The, the NIV put it well, important, elem important elementary teachings. So what he's saying is that this is not that I can graduate. You cannot graduate from ABC that you learned. Whatever you would ever do, either you're going to become a professor or a doctor or whatever it is, it is still based on the ABCs that you learned in elementary. So when Paul is saying, you are, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 6. When Paul is saying we are moving into advance, he's not saying that you are not learning something that you are not speaking ABCs again. Does that make sense? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, just a few things as we look at just. Paul said. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19, Paul said, And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless, powerless, a mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and the penalty of sin. He said, Then those who are falling asleep are lost. He said, And if we who are abiding in Christ, have hope only in this life. That is all that is to this life is this place. He said, we are of most people, most miserable and to be pitied. So a Christian that, the only way you can we understand that there is eternity, life after death, is through the resurrection of Christ. So Paul is saying that if all your expectation is in this world, are you a Christian? People should feel sorry for you. Why? Because the way God rewards, let me put it this way, is that, is that when we talk about rewards in the things of God, There are people that will labor scripturally and you not see the word in this world. It is not a cause, it is scripture. God does not, how do I put it now? 
What God does is that He rewards labor. He does not reward uh, how do I put it now? Um, results. Because you will do certain things, you will not see results. So for God to say that, okay, let me put this way. If you have a pastor that is pastoring 10 million members and one that is that's pastoring 10 people, according to the philosophy of human beings, one that is um, that is that is um, pastoring 10 uh, people is a failure. The one that is pastoring 1 million people is is, is God's reward. No, the Bible says the Bible says that the, the, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 8. The Bible says that okay, the Bible says that somebody somebody sows somebody sows, the other one plants, but it is God that brings the increase. So the Bible says that the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will all each be rewarded according to their labor. The reason why this is important and is a foundational truth about Christianity is that so that if God says to you, come and be sweeping church and somebody comes and is holding the pulpit or preaching and the crowd are coming to us and say, ah, God, with all my labor, ah, God did not reward me. See how they, you know, or maybe you prayed for somebody and you have been fasting and you've been praying for them and God blesses that person and it seems like you are not blessed. You will say that, ah, God. When you have a Christian that will say that, Honor me here. The pastor said, No, okay. See, if you really value me, it is here that I want to know. Not that when I die, you will not begin to say, Ah, that pastor is good. Oh, no, let me know now. It's because they have lost sight of eternity. The Bible, let's, let's, let's just quickly look at it. Just John chapter 4. The Bible says, Do you not know the saying that it is still four years, four, four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. The fields are ripe. Even, even now, the one who reaps draws wages, and the one who harvests the crop for eternal life. He said, So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows, another one reaps, is true. Let's come on, please. Oh, is that is that is that is that whole? Now, Jesus said long later. I'm so sorry. When you read that scripture down, Jesus said later. Jesus said that I have called you to reap in the places where you did not sow. There are some of us that you are enjoying the altar prayer of your parents. They did not see the blessings that you are seeing. To everybody now, you are the ah, you are the one that understands. It's, ah, it is, it is, ah, it is my anointing that is flowing. You see, me, God deals with us specially. 
It has nothing to do with you. Some people labored. But what the Bible is saying is that so I'm just saying to us so that you understand that what God rewards is labor. See, if God says, go and tell this person, okay, let's say God sent you, um, uh, what's it called? God, God sent you um, um, uh, a word to somebody and the person doesn't do it. And God keeps sending it to that person. You say, ah, see, me, I don't have all this time because, because that person did not change or that person did not do what is right. You feel that you're a failure. As far as God is concerned, no. It's your reward is based on the facts that you have done what he has asked you to do. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry. Was it that before? Okay, verse 8 said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. So that means, what that means is that some people have worked, but they will not see the reward. In this world. The technology you are enjoying today, some people labored for it many years. They did not see the benefit you are seeing today. That is how the system works. But if I say that I only labor as soon as I see the work, that person has no sight of eternity. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, quickly, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, all this died in faith. He said, he said, he said without receiving tangible fulfillment. He said, the promise were only having seen, seen and anticipated them, having welcomed, the Bible says that having acknowledged that they were, they were strangers and exiles to this world. So they believe that their reward is with God. But the scripture before, um, first um, uh, Timothy, you know, to me, sorry, the Bible says, I remind you of your sincere faith, a faith that is dealt first, dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise, and your mother, um, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. What was Paul saying is that, Timothy, you are now becoming the greatest pastor that people are rushing to. It did not start from you. Some people have labored. Not your mother alone, your grandmother has labored. So, imagine that the grandmother did not see the grandson becoming this big one. She would say that, ah, you know, God, you have not honored him. Because all I'm saying on that aspect as we move forward is that when you understand resurrection, you will understand that there is hope. That's why the Bible says our hope is in the resurrection of Christ. Because there will be labor that God will demand of you to do. And you will not see reward here. If you are not committed to that philosophy as a Christian, you will be concerned about the reward you get from people. That is why some people will sell their destiny in Christ for this, because as far as they are concerned, all their reward is here. 
God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. See, at times what we call reward is not reward as far as God is concerned because what God will reward you in eternity cannot be compared to whatever he'll give you here. So at times the reward he gives you is just mobilization to do more. You are saying, God, I need a better job. I need a better job. And God provides job. That job is so that you can have time to do this work. But you are taking that job as a reward. The car that you say, God, if you can't provide me car, you say, okay, I had this person, they struggle to shush. Let's give them car. You think that car is a reward. <laughs> but that car is actually an investment so that you can do more. Because there is no way it can totally give you the reward of your heart in this perishing world. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. I know someone do not mind me saying there are someone who, 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 who was who was trying to get who was who ordered the car and they couldn't get it on time. And so they told God, they said, God, ah, this car is taking too long. God, if you provide, if you give me this car, I will be coming to church to come and set up. <laughs> you know what God did? Speed down. That car arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw the person come to come my head and say, ah, this is what I did, Pastor. I prayed to God. I said, ah. <laughs> That car, as I got the ah, investment. That's what he did. Invested. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. You know, <laughs> let him, let him, let him get the car so that he can come and. Now, if that person saw that car as a reward, you see that. But as, as far as God is concerned, it's an investment. Because there is so. God give me good health. He's expecting that that good health, you are to use it to serve him. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. That's why Paul said that if a Christian believes that this world is where it finishes, this is where I will hit my mola and everything that I will ever get in life. That one. <laughs> that one is, you know, they should be pitied. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Because as far as God is concerned, if a man dies in Christ, it's as if you just change position. That's what they have. That's what happened. God will there will be nobody on earth that has served God that he would never hold. God will never, he will never rob a man of his of, of whatever that person has invested in him. You would receive everything. It, nothing will be left unpaid. Nothing will be left unpaid. Now to have a view that every of my payment has to come to me now in this world. It is because there is no view of eternity. There is no view of eternity. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we just look at, just draw, you know, because of our time, just draw a lesson, one more lesson I just want to draw from the resurrection and the death of Christ, the implication of it. First Corinthians 
First Corinthians chapter 22, maybe a message you saw because of our time. We're just skipping the scriptures. First Corinthians, sorry, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, 25. Um, the Bible says, while the Jew clamor for demonstration, for miraculous demonstration, the Greek go in for philosophy. We go right on to proclaim Christ and the crucified. The, the Jews treat this like anti-miracle. What are they talking about? We are talking about power. He said, and the Greek pass it on as absorbed. But, but to us, who, person, who, who are personally called by God himself, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the ultimate miracle and the wisdom of wisdom wrapped up into one. Wrapped up into one. So, one of the greatest implications as we look at it. Let's just go to Romans chapter 6. Quickly, just Romans chapter 6. Amen. The Bible says, Do you not know that all of us were baptized into Christ? Were baptized into his death. We were buried, we were buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised up. From the dead to glory to the glory of the Father, we too also may live a new life. For if we are united with Him in death, like 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 um, united with Him in a death like His, we certainly will be united to Him in resurrection. Let's, like like His. Let's go on, please. For we know that our whole self is crucified with him, so that our so that the body uh, so that the body ruled by sin may be done away, away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died is set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live in him. We are with him. Let's go on, please. We also live with him. For if we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, the death he died, he died to sins once and for all. But we live, but, but, but the life he lives, he lives unto God. In the same way, he now said, as you see that Jesus died and resurrected, he died to sin. He came to life, to live a new life unto God. He said, in the same way, count yourselves as dead unto sin, but alive in God, in his, alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Okay, let us put this in. Let me, this is where I'm coming to when I begin to say to us. If you have a man that is learning to see himself as dead to sin because of your understanding of Christ, you don't need to do over seminar or marriage to him. Because the more he, he understands the death of Christ, 
the more he changes as a person. The woman, the more she understands what Christ did and how the nature of, of sin is being dealt with and she's moving closer to the cross, the issues of behavioral issues will be dealt with. You can see how ministries are collapsing. The one that is how to become, you know, how to be faithful in, 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 in your career and to pursue the heart of God and pursue the things of God, the more I see that I am dead to sin, but I am alive to God, I do not need, please, I'm not saying these things are not important, but I will not have to build a ministry over that. That's why Paul said, you know, I'm not going to baptize. But if you understand what happened on the cross, there are so many things you will not need to teach. If I understand the implication on the cross, I hope you shall understand what I'm saying. Because see, the more you understand it, that is why the only thing the apostles could preach was Christ and Christ crucified. Because once, the more you see yourself that Bible was nailed to the cross with Jesus, and Jesus is no more on the cross, that means that I am already in Christ. The Bible says that, the, the Bible says that, the Bible says that we should, the Bible says that you should not let, say do not let sin reign in your mortal body. What does this mean? I have the right to say no. I may be going for counseling to deal with certain addictions or hunger, but I, the more I see the cross, the more I understand that I have the permission. This addiction does not have total control over me. Then you will begin to discover that if you go, I am going for therapy, you will not stay for long. Why? Because the cross dealt with it. There are so many things that is sustained because the cross has not been properly been dealt with. As long as the cross is removed, we would have so many things that we have to do. I will have to set up cancelling session to cancel, 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 cancel. It is good, but when you are cancelling the same person on the same issue for 15 years, then it is obvious that the cross is missing. If, please, I speak to people, I counsel people, and God help us all. We are all actually in progress. But what I'm saying is that, and I'm not talking one year, two years, but if you're dealing with somebody for 10 years, and you're saying exactly the same thing, it is because they have not seen the cross properly to see that they themselves died. The one that will say, in our village, ah, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we, we, we give it to you straight up. We don't know how 
have not seen. Someone say, ah, me, I am the child of this and this. See, <laughs> you know, anger is our 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 you know <laughs> our own personal thing. <laughs> uh, they will say that some people are I do not put it in English. See, he said, ah, there is fight somewhere. So let's go. Joy. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go. Somebody said, ah, no. This is how my father used to behave. And he did well. What they are saying is that I don't need, because when I see the cross well, I died to the cross. At times when you see certain things that people say, you will know that mm -mm, they've not been taught the cross well. Yeah, you know. See, you know, me, I'm still better off. In all of my friends, I'm still better off. I still do this a bit, but you know, the power of the cross. When the cross is properly dealt with, and we look well at the cross. That is why after Jesus resurrected, he had to tell his brothers, go and tell people that they don't need to be slaves to sin again. Because I died on the cross and they too are dead to the cross. As I resurrected, they too can walk away from sin. When the cross is, 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 when we see the cross well, when they see that I have generational cause, the problem with that thing is that I was nailed to the cross. That is why when they called Peter, when Paul was chasing after Peter and disciples, it was Jesus that appeared. Why? Because there was nobody called Peter. There was nobody called they were all dead with Jesus. So when they say, Peter, oh, Jesus appeared and say, hello. Because Peter died to the cross. That is why there are so many things that when you begin to see more at the cross, you will discover that there are so many things in your life that you say, no, wait a minute, I died to the cross. And so I died to sin and I am alive in, 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 in Christ. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, I don't want to do anything in you, among you, except Christ crucified. Except Christ and crucified. And that is where we are in our prayers from as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. As we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. There was a reason why Jesus rose up and he did not just go to heaven. He told disciples, go. Let them know. 
let them know. You know, he, he went on. In fact, he said he, he said to them. The Bible says he, 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 he said to, he said to them that all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that is why when Jesus was about to go to cross to the cross, he gathered his disciples. And he did one thing for them. He broke the, the communion with them. Why? Because he knows that people will see the cross and say, that useless man. We know he doesn't have power. We know he's useless. Somebody will say, oh, if you are the son of God, come down, let us see. But was saying to his disciples, take my body. It is broken for you. This is the blood of my new covenant for you. What he's saying is that when other people are calling cross as fashion statement, you know that it is the covenant you have with God. So he told his disciples, he said, always do this in members of me. When the church, when people were drinking and eating the communion like no man's business, Paul said, what is going on here? Why do you dishonor the body of Christ? Do you not know what this means to us? This is the representation of Christ of how we were nailed to the cross. How we now, we now live in him. When we share communion, we are sharing our covenant. We, we are bringing to remembrance that this is what Jesus said for me. That's why you would always see in scriptures that the Bible would say that they will always gather and share bread. They will always gather and share bread. Amen. Amen. John chapter John chapter 12 We are done, sorry, John chapter 12 We'll be sharing the communion later today John chapter 12 um, From verse 27 The Bible says Jesus, is talking, Jesus said, my soul is troubled What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. What is God Jesus saying? Everything that I did, it is for this very moment. He said, the voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. What was he saying? The hour and the Bible says the crowd had, well, the, the crowd that was there had it and he and said it is a thunder, it, it was, and he said it had thundered and others said an angel has spoken to him. Let's read them please. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Jesus is saying, when they are talking about the cross, 
It is not for my benefit. It is for you. Jesus now said, this time, the judgment is, this, this is the time for the judgment of this world. Basically, the cross is what determines either a man goes to heaven or hell. He said, now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted from the head, I will draw men to myself. What he's saying is this. When a man and a woman sits down and focus on the cross and remember the blood and the death of Christ, it is a license to serve the devil. Say, leave this place, this body, as they bought. This body has been God. I had a dream many, many years ago. And I saw that I was going to a city. I was driving into a city. A bus. That city was beautiful in that dream. And as I was driving down, I entered the gate. As soon as I entered the gate, it was all gold and things like that. It entered the gate. And as I was driving down, somebody said, ah, buy your ticket. And so as I was parking and trying to get people down, so a man came and said, eh, what are you here for? I said, ah, I'm back. He said, back to do what? He said, ah, he said, don't let us tell the father that you came home. Look back, see the bus. Only two people. See the amount of space in your van. You are coming in here empty. You only have to. He said, we will do you a favor. Run back and go and feel. Now, what was interesting to me that I'll never forget, as I was coming back, I was hearing the song, they were blowing it in, in trumpets. Basically, what he says is that go and tell people not that Jesus is, that Jesus has conquered it. Let us rise up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.